if there's one value that any farmer can have, it's curiosity. Is making sure that whatever, whether someone comes in and, and challenges your paradigm, if it's too challenging, don't ever shut it down. Just be curious. Okay, what what's in this? How, is there something that I don't know here? That was Dave Westbrook, and you're listening to the Regenerative Journey. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and internationally and their continuing connection to country, culture, community, land, sea and sky. And we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott, an eighth generational Australian regenerative farmer. And in this podcast series, I'll be diving deep and exploring my guests' unique perspectives on the world so you can apply their experience and knowledge to cultivate your own transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with your host, Charlie Arnott. G'day, this week's episode is with Dave Westbrook. Um, I love this interview with Dave. We uh, caught him uh, for a couple of hours when he was staying with us at Hannah Minow there um, a little while ago with his family, which is wonderful to have them on deck. Um, and knowing a little bit about Dave's uh, story um, and having worked done some work with Dave, I knew his story would be fascinating. And it is, um, you know, his sort of family succession, trials and tribulations, the way he manages that. Um, his, uh, you know, changing from cropping to, to livestock farming in the honeymoon period, um, some epiphanies and challenges and catalysts of change. He's worked with Farm Owners Academy. Um, it's a fascinating uh, story. He's he's not old at all. He's a young fella. He's done. He's crammed a heap in. He's got a big uh, big future ahead of him. And just before we slip into the show, I just want to tell you about the uh, latest raft of biodynamic workshops that we have released. Uh, we've got four dates for you. The first one is on June the 15th and 16th in the Central West New South Wales at Capertee Valley. Our wonderful hosts there, Terry and Stuart. Uh, and they're at from, from the paddock. Check them out on Instagram. They're, they're fantastic uh, in Glen Alice. And also um, a couple of days later on the 17th and 18th, uh, we'll be in the Hunter Valley at the wonderful Crinklewood Biodynamic um, Vineyard there um, with Oscar and his team. So we're very um, keen to uh, get um, as many of their um, club their wine club members there as well. So maybe sign up and uh, get yourself there. Two other dates um, then in July. So those ones are in June. These next light, uh, dates are in July. We're the uh, 19th and 20th in the Western Downs in Queensland. Um, Adele and uh, Philip Hughes been fantastic supporters of regenerative agriculture there um, through, uh, well, for some time now and also through the Lock and Hughes Foundation, um, which we'll be talking about in due course. Um, we met them at, I met them at Aubrey and um, they're just fantastic, lovely, lovely couple. Um, and also then on the 22nd and 23rd at the Sunshine Coast with our good buddies Mitch and Nina Bray, Bray Farms there, um, that'll be wrapping up our sort of winter series uh, for two days, the 22nd and 23rd. All those tickets are available on our website. So go to the bio, go to the website, do whatever you can to get onto our try booking site. Early bird tickets will, um, are not going to be around for very long. So jump on board. Uh, but I hope you enjoy this episode of the regenerative journey. Um, uh, speaking with Dave Westbrook as much as I did. G'day, Dave. Dave Westbrook. Welcome to the, um, guest room, guest bedroom of um, of Hannah Minow here. 
Welcome. Thank you, Charlie. This is an uh, elite club, the Regenerative <laughs> Journey podcast. So uh, absolute privilege to be here and um, thank you for having me. Mate, it was very fortuitous. You've been on my list for some time and I thought I'd already, I'd already pounced on you and, and hit you up for one. I, clearly I hadn't, but you've you been on my list. And you fortuitously, you're in the area and you joined us here at Hannah Minow a couple of days ago with your family and um, that worked really well. So and you're taking off to later today. So yep. thanks, for, thanks for spending the time. Mate, what I usually do is I I, I, um, I interview people in at their farms, in their homes or in their place of work, and I start with a question which relates to why we're here and what, what we're looking at and you know, what does it mean to them. But this isn't your home. Well, it kind of is at the moment. Australia's <laughs> my home at the moment. So. Okay. <laughs> well, tell us about that then. Let's, let's, let's start, before we get into your regenerative journey, let's talk about... What you're looking at there? What, what does it mean to you to be in the Australian landscape? Uh, great question. There's I have a strong pull towards, and always has as a, as a farmer, growing up in a big cropping um, cropping family on on the York Peninsula of South Australia. Um, there's always been that big pull of being out, and I think most farmers have it. To be honest, being out in, in nature, and um, definitely there was something inside of me that had more of that connection. I was, I was quite connected to. Even just the soil and and the plants and the and the animals and the, and the trees, um, yeah. So for us to be out travelling Australia this year um, is very very exciting. Meeting a lot of people and just inviting ourselves to people's places like you. Mate, mate, worked a treat. Um, and I mean, I, you're, you're absolutely right. I think there's not many. I, mean, I guess farmers, farmers, um, they farm outside. They're in nature. That there's there's a connection, but not all farmers have necessarily a connection with nature, do they? They're they're, no. they're they're in that they're in that space. They're using those resources and they're growing crops or they're grazing cattle or whatever they're doing. But w- I mean, what are your thoughts on, I guess, the connectedness of um, uh, of farmers generally? I mean, you 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 work for um, Farm Owners Academy and you've got many clients. What's the sort of the sense of Connectedness, connectedness of farmers, you know, maybe not necessarily even your clients, mm. um, to, to nature and, and and how does that sort of play out in their lives? You know, what, how do they how do they how's that reflected in their behaviours? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, um, mate, I'm full. We, of we them. could we could I oh know you are. <laughs> we, could, my, we could talk about that look, one look, question. Look at this for question. Hours. <laughs> There's nothing on the page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how it should be. Um, so yeah. I was one. So my journey was. Uh, do, you way, to, do, you, do you start the journey? Yeah. Well, I might as well Still walk down. through it, and that will help the listeners um, yeah, understand cool. a little bit. But so really, I grew up on mum and dad's farm, um, and that was that was my that was my future. I, I saw the rest of my life there. Sort of got married, come back on the farm, um, and that didn't really. I didn't connect with it. And this is in South Australia. This, this is your your peninsula. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I decided to. I was going to go, and I had. I didn't realise this at the time, but I had deep values. Um, so come back to your question before: is that a lot of? I find a lot of farmers don't know what their values are. Um, and for myself personally, I'll just say that's un- unconscious farming. Um, so I sort of went on that journey to find what my values were without even knowing that's what I was doing. Um, moved to Adelaide. Um, was going to get my. So, so my wife Becky's from Kangaroo Island. Um, spent a bit of time over there, absolutely loved it, decided that's where I was going to go. Um, so I had that, that conversation with Dad, which wasn't that easy to say, hey, 
Um, I was like the only son home on the farm at that, that stage. I'm going to go do something else. There were other siblings. So yeah, older sister and a, and a younger brother that that weren't on the farm. My younger brother was still at school, um, and so I spent a year in Adelaide um, getting my builder's license. I was actually going to go and be a landscaper on on Kangaroo Island. Um, when Dad rang me and actually said, "Hey, what if I put a deposit or helped you put a deposit on a farm, um, and I went guarantor for you and, and you bought a farm on KI?" There's that coffee. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah. that's how that's how so my, that's a, that, that would have sounded pretty good. That was that was a dream come true for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so really, I spent the first so from twenty that was two thousand ten to two thousand fifteen farming. In the first two years of that, were probably the honeymoon phase where I didn't know anything about livestock. Like, didn't even know what a heifer was. So purely cropping um, in at the York. Purely cop- yeah. cropping on, on mum and dad's farm and then yeah. purely livestock, cattle and, and, and sheep on Kangaroo Island. Um, so I was, I was really driving stocking rate. I knew, I knew what my KPIs were slowly after a couple of years, worked out what benchmarks I needed to hit to be a profitable farmer. Um, so I was chasing profit, chasing profit. Um, and then that moved into probably an understanding of, hey, things don't feel right, things don't look right. Um, soil's blowing away. Look... Yeah, the pastures are going backwards. Profit was was looking good, um, and then that's when I a couple of th- two things lined up for me at the same time. Um, I met Farm Owners Academy as a as a client, um, and also our daughter who was two, I think at the time had eczema, um, and that was a massive blessing for us. So we just just on the <clears throat> sorry just on the KPIs. Um, that's an interesting place to finish your daughter getting. It is. was a blessing. <laughs> well, we, we better go back there. Um, but I just want to know, you mentioned KPIs there, um, that you had them. Where, how, how did you, as a farmer, even have KPIs? Like what, what, was, what was in you? Was that something you'd learned or you'd read about or you'd been through a course? Um, were you already doing um, mm. Farm Owners Academy at that point to, 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 to even yeah. set KPIs? Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, so the, the KPIs were pretty basic before I met Farm Owners Academy and I was working with Greg Johnson. So Greg Johnson is a co-founder of Farm Owners Academy. Um, he's from Kangaroo Island. So he was driving a, um, what do you call it, a, a sheep production group on Kangaroo Island. So phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, and his knowledge is a lot around KPIs and how or key performance indicators and how to use them, how to identify them and how, how to use them. So um, stocking rate, um, what else was there? Uh, dress weight per hectare and, and all those sort of rainfall labour, um, all those sort of things. And uh, the I just want to, I just want to drill into this because and that was relevant to Kangaroo, Kangaroo Island. So that was that felt pretty good. I'd yeah, a bloke yep. here knows he's doing. I'm I'm a new farmer. I'm going to do what he's doing. Or not yep. that's 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 the reference point you had. Yeah, I was actually told by a friend that had a farm on Kangaroo Island, which is the whole reason we're going over there, actually. He was going to, he was selling, um, and that's the farm that we were going to go and look at. We didn't buy that one in the end, but he said, if you if you move to KI, this go and man. hook up with Greg Johnson. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So a good reference point for you at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So he, what he was teaching on, on the island was elite, for, um, and there's some of the world's best farmers on KI. It's, a, it's an amazing place to go and visit. Yeah, cool. Um, Exma? Yeah, yeah. So, blessing. W- why was why was Indy's eczema a blessing? <laughs> we so just to paint a bit of a picture, it's it's not super pretty. It wasn't bad eczema, but like she would scratch her feet when she was sleeping, and there'd be a bit of blood on her bedroom wall from rubbing her feet on her wall because she was uncomfortable. So, um, 
two or three years old. Let's go get this sorted out. Went to the doctor, um, and the doctor the doctor said or diagnosed her with eczema because she was wearing gum boots. Right. So she was wearing rubber boots at the time. Walked in there. Hey, she's got she's got eczema because she's wearing rubber boots. Go get some steroid cream. Um, that didn't feel right at all. So that's where our regenerative journey started. To be honest, right there with her yeah. feet, with her with her eczema. So, her so what what was it? What what didn't resonate for you? The the, the gum boot, you know, um, bloody odd prognosis. I don't really know. To be honest, um, there was what is it? Um, I think it was just the fact that our deeper values were just bubbling down and, and they were just starting to come through without really us knowing or having any other awareness of that more conscious, aware, healthy healthy life. Were you more? Were you thinking using more of your, your intuition at that point? Were you sort of thinking, hang on, this, I'm just trying to sort of piece together the values yep. and how you got to that point to go, mate, you're a quack. Yeah. You know, that's maybe not quite right. Yeah. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know why we had that intuition to, to challenge mm. a GP. Why mm. They're obviously quite educated. Um, it's a really good question. I can't remember. That's how old is she? She's eight, so that's six years ago. Mm. Um, but what it, what it led us into is... Anyway, it happened. It happened. Yeah. And it led us into, okay, let's do some research. Yeah. Um, so we spoke to a few people. Becky actually went up to Cairns and did a retreat with Joe Witten. Um, and Fuad Kassab from, um, what's their book called? Do you know? I don't know. Um, the Quirky Cooking. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so Quirky, so, jo- so Joe and Fuad. Yeah, yeah. They helped Becky. So Becky went and did research. I was still busy on the farm. Um, what they put it down to was leaky gut syndrome. So bad food, gluten, dairy, going through, um, and processed food, a lot of processed foods going through her digestive system, leaking out her gut, coming out in her blood and then has to get through the skin. So that's, I'm not, I've done a lot of work on it, I'm not a doctor, but that's sort of our take on it. Um, so the, the way to fix that was um, GAPS, the GAPS diet, which is basically eating unprocessed foods, um, sauerkraut, um, looking after the gut, gut health. Um, this is really sounds like it's going down the wrong track, but I'll get to the point. This is where it needs to go. I mean, this is, this is all connected. This is, this is totally, this is great. Yeah, so um, so we all went, we were like, okay, if, she, if she's in, it's not fair if a two or three-year-old goes on the gap start and we don't. So we all went in and it completely changed all of our lives in two weeks just by changing the food that we eat. And, um, that we and tell me just on that one, so you took out processed food? I took out processed foods and introduced... Broths, broths, sauerkraut, um, yeah, yeah. fermented food. A lot of ferment, fermented foods. What about dairy? Took out dairy, took out gluten. Gluten. Um, what else was there that we took out? Just just processed foods. So, um, yeah. All of a sudden, Becky was full-time in the kitchen cooking and researching. So there's a little, lot of work. That's it's, it's easy to live that harder life, if that makes sense. It's easy to live the – go down the, the unhealthy life of, of processed foods because it's convenient. So but when, you, when your kids are suffering, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? It just gave us a big why. Um, and we were lucky enough to see in a really short period of time the change, that the impact that had on our family. Um, so that's that's where that, that's where how that happened. Um, and then I was driving the tractor one day. I can clearly remember where I was driving the tractor down the road between my farms. And I just thought, if there's a, the gaps or the, the better way of human health, and gut health. What's what's the better way of 
farming. There's got to be, we've got to get rid of chemicals and, and fertilisers. There's got to be, we've, we've gotten rid of, um, I don't know, poisonous toothpaste and tox, toxins out of food and gluten, all that sort of stuff. So there's got to be a way of farming similar. And that's when I invented regenerative Regenerative agriculture, Charlie. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> I did it. Dave, I've no. been searching for 27 episodes now. That's it. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> or more even, interviews I've done and I've finally find, found the man who, who put it. That's it. it. I'll, cl- I'll claim it. But that's interesting because I talked to some, um, you know, some farmers, and it, yeah, everyone's journey is different obviously, but but it, it's. I was talking to Cindy O'Meara the other day and she was saying she had um, one of her um, – one, I can't be actually, I might bugger this up now, but about, you know, talking to a man about his health and I think he, he, he himself, and he was an old, older man, he was a horticulturalist down at um, uh, Batlow, I think it was, or no, down in Victoria, I think, apple grower or something, pear grower, and he had not a dissimilar thing where he, he saw after some period of time the connection between the health of his himself and the health of his farm, and mm. I think I think what I just trying to put my, cast my mind back to the actual interview. He went to her to Cindy for his own health, right? Because his daughter said, "You got to see this lady," and he was just blown away. And he looked at her, and you know, he came back a second or third time, and he said, "You know what? What I've done for my body, I should have done for my farm." Mm. Yeah, you know? so yep. not a dissimilar sort yeah, of, yeah, absolutely. You know, and which is fast again. This is the whole point of this podcast is trying to identify the links. That's it's it's. It's the same stuff. Mm. It's just where do you apply it? How do you execute it? I'm executing it in my body. I'm executing it on the land, in nature, for my family, for my business. Mm. So what? So you're driving along, regenerative journey, regenerative agriculture. Bingo. Yeah. I don't I know what it was, but I, I jumped on Google and, and tried, just started typing into Google what better better ways of farming and, and healthier farming and et cetera. And, so, and, re, and Regen come up. Probably your name come up. Um and I would have said, whoop, 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 stay away. <laughs> alert. Yeah, alert. Uh, and, and, and this is how many, how long after um, the the epiphany, the health, sort mm. of your own health, family, you know, sort of health epiphany? Yeah, good question. So that would have been probably a year after, I reckon. Okay. Yeah, so 20, around 2015. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so then from then on, bang, um, what do I need to do? So I, I was very conscious of going in slowly. Um, so I still fertilised for a couple of years um, and just just backed the stocking right off, started to, yeah, planted trees and, and just be, just being curious. And if I could, if, if, if there's one value that any farmer can have, it's curiosity, is making sure that whatever, whether someone comes in and, and challenges your paradigm, um, don't shut it. If, it, if it. if it's too challenging, don't ever shut it down. Just be curious. Okay, what, what's in this? How, is there something that I don't know here? Um, and that's where I was at. I just for that those couple of years, just curiosity. How do, how do I find out? How can I turn my farm, my, my vision for my farm, which is pretty much central Kangaroo Island, is how can I create an oasis in the middle of KI when all the other farms are blowing away in summer? What was the you mentioned before when you started farming? in The first two years was honeymoon period. What, I mean. What you were saying, you know, was the you know, um, it was blowing away, dust blowing away. What was it that that because um, you were following um, Greg's sort of advice, I guess. Yeah. Um, what was it that made you think the honeymoon's over? You know, the, the, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Greg, 
one thing, one misconception I had, and I missed it, was the sustainable part of this. So, um, I was pushing for profit and missed that. The Greg Greg is um, um, he he's very smart. So so he he wants farmers to be profitable, but at the same time he wants them to manage their landscape. He he wouldn't be full regen, but um, he wants them to manage their landscape. And he was big on that, but I didn't. I missed that point. Um, but so just to explain the honeymoon period for me was I moved to a new farm, knew nothing, had um, a bucket load of time, um, didn't have much money, but I had a big smile on my face because it was exciting. Um, for the first two years, just walking around cattle and sheep and making plans for the future. And then probably two years in, I started to get a bit educated, learnt what a heifer was, <laughs> learnt learnt how long to put the rams out for, um, learnt, like I can clearly remember doing, um, someone said, oh, you got to do a worm egg count on your sheep. So collect the sheep poo, take it to the vets, they'll do a worm egg count, tell you what trench to use. And I was like, that just seems crazy. Why, why would I do that? That's I'll, I'll never been doing that. And then a year later, that was just standard practice. So the honeymoon period finished when I, got edu- when I, when I was learning more because then I had to implement more. So I just got busier and busier and busier, spent more money on inputs, more money on inputs. Um, the outputs were definitely there. But as I got educated, I was going down that rabbit warren of, of more opportunities, so more more things to do, um, put teasers out with your ewes to try and get them all to um, get in lamb in the first cycle. So that all of a sudden there's another week's worth of jobs just, yeah. just doing that. So more jobs, more jobs, more jobs coming. Um, until pretty much 2015 when I was uh, – is another little another little snippet of what my life was like. I was planting trees in the rain at midnight on a Saturday night, and all my mates were driving past, going home from the footy club. Um, and I just thought, what what the hell am I doing? What what am I doing this for? I was just just working myself. <laughs> is into is that, yeah, I guess is that. Could you consider that like dedication or just stupidity? <laughs> you know, stupidity. I don't know. It's, like that's kind of cool. If you're so dedicated to planting trees, you'll do that. That's kind of wonderful, but yeah. if it's at the at the expense of a few beers with the boys, yeah, it was passion um, gone wrong. If that makes sense, very very passionate about it, but I was just had my blankers on, um, yeah, and that's where that's where the next stage of my farming career started when I joined Farm Owners Academy, and that was how many years ago now? So that was middle of twenty fifteen. Yeah, six years, pretty much. Years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yep. why'd you do that? You thought, uh, well, I didn't. I didn't know anything about it. But so I'd worked with Greg, obviously, um, and then Greg was running a two-day event in Adelaide, and I thought, bloody hell, if Greg's got two days in Adelaide running this event, it's going to be good. So paid my six hundred odd dollars and went along, not really knowing what it was all about, but blew blew my socks off. So one of the first questions they asked was, who here can go on a holiday for six weeks or three months? I can't remember exactly. Um, and their farm will run itself. And I was just like, I can't even go away for a weekend. I'm struggling to be here for two days. Got to be pl- I'm planting trees at midnight on a Saturday exactly. night. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone go for six weeks. Yeah, it's got to be crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was perfect. That's when I started to have all those epiphanies of, okay, what am I actually, what am I chasing here? What, what's, what's this all about? I've had that breakthrough around the family health um, and the curiosity now into the regen side and how I can – go down that path a little bit. Um, and what what Farm Owners Academy really taught me, it, it brought out my values. Um, and we actually, it's part of our program, is that we actually really dive into values. There, there's values and then there's values. If you can 
get your values and you understand your values, they are one of the true powers to life. Let's talk about that. We're just going to park your journey there for a minute at that 2015, 16. Let's talk about values because you're dead right. And and my experience was I didn't know what values were. Mm. Value to me was a monetary sort of a thing. What's the value of that car or that sheep? And so what's what's a – how do you and how can others identify their values? Mm. Good question. Takes time. Um, and that's why it's so important to get the right people around you. So making sure that you're spending time with the right people and being curious and, and asking others what, what their values are. Um, but the way that we, we teach value that we teach values is um, we've got a we've got training specific template that we that we like a strategy document that we use. Um, so if I, so passion is one of mine. So, um, off the top of my head, family, um, gratitude, adventure, fun, courage, and passion. Um, so for example, courage, I can, if you write that on a piece of paper and you show someone what it doesn't really mean much, but if you can then explain in a sentence what that actually means to you, all of a sudden that it helps you identify the power in that value. So courage for me is um, speak your truth. So um, be yourself. Don't get caught up in everyone else's journey. Worry about your own journey. And that takes a bloody lot of courage, especially in the farming industry where we can get caught up with what the neighbours are doing, what the community is doing, people judging you, especially in the regen space. People will judge you and it takes a shitload of courage um, to back yourself in and not, and not doubt yourself. I find, and, and you're absolutely right, and I think the word in itself is meaningless unless we attach a meaning to it, like, you know, who am I being when I'm being courageous? Mm. You know, I am speaking my truth. I am, you know, um, ignoring the, the naysayers. Yeah, so, and, and again, um, I remember when I did it years, years ago, literally there's like 50 values on a ca- on mm. cards, you yep. know, yep. and sorting through and, and feeling what's comfortable. And we all have our own individual values and we have family values that we might, you know, as a group of people, our family have, and then there might be business values and, mm. and my, you know, my understanding um, and I guess what we try and emulate is that the, the business is an expression of those values, our behaviours, yep. you know, our attitudes. Um, and, and again, it's not until, you know, you have to go to Farmers Academy to, to be knocked on the head to say, You've got actually values. We just let, need to dig them out. Yeah. And the same for me. And I think that's, you know, for anyone listening who's farming or even you don't have to be a farmer to have, understand your values, it's a, it is the most value, valuable exercise that one can do because yeah. it then creates guideposts on the road of life, doesn't it? 100%. I'm off, I'm off track here, you yeah. know. I've lost the guide, my guiding, guiding post to keep me on the track, whatever track that happens to be, you know. Mm. We've all got a different road to... To walk down, yeah, and, so, and and your values, your values evolve as well. So my values mm. in the early days were like work hard, like because I thought I thought that was a measurement of success, but then it completely flipped that on on its head when I had that 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 regen or that that healthy lifestyle uh, epiphany. Can people? We will get back to your journey too, Dave. Just <laughs> where's he going with this? Um, is is what is there such thing as work life balance? Yes, hundred percent. So that work life balance is almost my my story to a T. Is is I was working way too hard, um, and then in the end, we found that balance. And it's it's what we teach at Farm Miners Academy is 
is that to a degree? Like, how do you how do you balance? So the two things that we want in life is to a, to a degree is time and money. Um, but if you if you put on a seesaw, time on one end and, and money on the other, um, they've got to be balanced. Most of the time, we we have one or the other. So if we if we strive for money, it's generally ego based um, at the cost of our time. So there's no so if so for family is one of my values. So if I'm chasing money, I'm probably going to not live up to my, my value of farm of uh, family. Um, and what was the other one? Um, so time um, generally it's at the sacrifice of money. So how do we how do we how do we balance that? And in the middle of of the fulcrum is purpose or passion. Mm. Um, so so what's your, what's your purpose? Okay, now let's find a way to make that profitable, and let's find a way to leverage that. So you've got time to spend with your family, to travel, to um, work on the farm. Do do we help farmers realise their dreams? So some farmers' dreams are to walk around through their cattle nice and slowly and um, kick around like every day is a Sunday. Some people's dreams are, are to work eight or ten hours a day and or more um, and really strive for success. Some people's dreams are to set their farm up so they can walk away from it and have a manager on and go pursue other passions. So really identifying what your purpose is and, and what your goals are and then finding that, that balance um, between the time and, and creating that time and money to, to make that all come to fruition. So what was your dream, Dave, when you you know popped out the end of Farmers Academy? Had you, did you have a dream at that point? Just that, that first two days or first year or whatever? Yeah. Jeez, that's a good... So, yeah, so for me it was about um, travelling. Um, our, one of our biggest passions was to travel as much as we could with the kids. So um, Australia, not, not the world. Um, we actually said... We were making some good money on the farm sort of in 2016, 17, um, and we told all our kids they could choose anywhere in the world for their 10th birthday. Um, <laughs> Jed's, 10 this, uh, Jed's 10 now, so he chose Cape York, luckily, so um, <laughs> COVID hasn't you. upset those plans. In, Indy's chosen polar bears, so that'll... Um, that's a that's Zoo. Little, yeah, Taronga Zoo, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> she didn't say where. <laughs> The closest one. Yeah, so so to travel for us. So it was really um, exciting two years into the three-year journey with, with Farm Miners, the, the Platinum Program's three-year journey. So so two years in, which was 2018, um, we were able to go away for nine weeks, um, which was awesome. And that was just a huge realisation that we've, we've, what we've achieved on the farm, to be able to set systems up in our farm to make it profitable um, and then to be able to leverage enough to be able to go away. Um, through one of the busiest times of the year, which was really, really exciting. So, so that was a reward, yeah, of sorts. Big, big reward, yeah, yeah. They say um, I can't think. Gordon Livingston, I think he wrote in a book. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, he identified you need three things in life to be happy: what's so, something to love, someone to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. Mm. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you had your family. You were loving farming. And you know, having something like that, a holiday to look forward to, can, mm-hmm. is one of those um, critical things. Because if it's not something to look forward to, then we're we're really going in circles, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, without getting too sidetracked, what Farm no, Academy sidetracks? Oh, no, you're good at sidetracks. <laughs> <laughs> sidetracks are doors. They're, they're doors of opportunity. That's right? Absolutely. So I think um, what I was thinking about this the other day, 
about my journey and, and the way that I've evolved is it, it it's too late. We're always trying to climb a ladder mm. in life. Just going to sneak a little bit closer. You're right, mate. And I feel, I feel there's, there's two ladders. There's the ladder of ego, which is the big shiny ladder that everyone wants to, everyone wants to climb. And then there's the ladder of purpose or soul. Um, so I've probably gone on that, that real ego, um, unconscious path and then fell off of that and then found myself going down that more spiritual, soulful path. So how, how can I, how can I fulfill my soul rather than fulfilling my ego? And that's what I love about regen farmers is that they're fulfilling their soul by doing, by giving back to the landscape or to human health or, or whatever it might be. So that's, I think that's the connection that, that regen farmers have is that, that deep value. Um, so I'm, Unconsciously, we, we climb that ego ladder, um, looking for or for fear of missing out. So the neighbour's got three big shiny headers. What do I need to do to get three big shiny headers? Or um, he's I don't know, the bank account's big. We're all placed or born onto that ladder in a different place. So some farmers that are born to the towards the top of the ladder because they're just born onto a big farm that's got all the big shiny stuff already, and some are born down the bottom and. Um, I was def- I was probably born in the middle somewhere and then went to KI. I felt like I had to prove myself. Um, I'd always put my best shape on the road um, so the neighbours could always see my best shape, not my worst shape. Um, that Is was- that where you sprayed more on the road to get the, get more- the weeds out of pasture and stuff? Yeah, a lot of fertiliser. Mm. Yeah, mm. Double, double the rate of, of, of <laughs> nitrogen to get the grass nice and green. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we, we've all done it. Yeah, yeah. And it was really interesting to go on that journey, that journey of trying to trying – to, Prove myself to dad, um, trying to prove myself to the community and trying to prove myself to myself that I was worthy and that I could be successful. So that, that was very much egotistical ladder for me. Um, the, the fear of missing out, the, um, so, so when we're on the ego ladder, which we're trying to jump rungs, we're not, we're not taking one step at a time. We're trying to jump, 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 get to the top as quick as we can. And it's, it's, it's an unhappy place to be. We think that, okay, when I buy that new header, I'll use the header for, or that new farm or whatever it might be, that will be fulfilled. Never, you never, ever fulfilled. Some of the biggest and best farmers that don't have a soulful meaning, well, they, yeah, that, this is me speaking from my, my point of view, but it's hard to be fulfilled when you're chasing ego. So that's um, through Farm Owners Academy and, and Tracy, who was my coach, she um, was amazing at, Pleasing the soul rather than trying to please your ego, um, and and pleasing other people. So um, that was that was a huge breakthrough for me when I said, you know, I'm going to actually climb the the soul ladder or the um, the purpose ladder, and then just being able to take one step at a time. And and really, what you said before, it, it's enjoying. You got something to look forward to because you're looking forward to the next step on the ladder but you're really, really enjoying the step that you're on. And the, the, the classic example for me to share there is that I, I'd bought a, a second farm and the sheep yards were awful, like uh, falling down and sheep would get mixed up and gates weren't swinging. And I was quite frustrated because I was on this fast-paced ego ladder of, right, I need new sheep yards, need new sheep yards, blah, blah, blah. So for two years, I had this two-year plan that right, I can afford them in two years. So for two years, I was on this path of, not going to enjoy any sheep work that I did because of those yards. Because <laughs> you knew the shiny ones were two years away. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was so frustrating working in these objects. So I, when I – it was amazing. It was, it was overnight that I had that – basically changed 
for example, change the ladders. Yeah. Um, I could every time a gate fell off in that set of sheep yards, I'd smile and I just felt, you know, what, I'm, I could just enjoy no matter where I was on that ladder or in my journey, I could enjoy every single moment, whether it was a dog pushing sheep into a scrub or cutting them off from from a gate or a flat tire on your tractor when you're in a hurry or whatever it might have been. Everything was just soulful and enjoyable. Why overnight? How did that happen? Did you hit your head or, I might or something? <laughs> I might have. So, so that's interesting, you know, that, that epiphany. Yeah, so the foundation of Farm Owners Academy is, is mindset um, because we need to work on our mindset before we can open up any other doors, be open to curiosity, I suppose. Um, so we're probably a year or so in into that. Um, and had it drilled into me a little bit. So I was sitting there, it was, it was simmering. Um, but then Tracy, who was my one-on-one coach, really opened me up to the law of attraction and what you, what, what you focus on becomes reality. So you, your thoughts um, is your reality, really. Create your, your reality. Yeah. And tell me, Tracy's obviously a lady. Uh, you know, do you think the, the, the two ladders that as men, as a, <clears throat> as a gender – if I can even go there, um, can, can no one have a go at me about using the word gender and saying men? Because I, I, I'm not, I just don't know about all that stuff. I'm just going to stick to old school, the male of the species. Yeah. Um, that we tend to climb that um, that ego ladder, and, and, the, and the ladies, mm. the females, as it were, uh, climbing the soul one. That's a bit more comfortable for them. Yeah. Is that something? Yeah, I would say. I would say that it, that. As men, we probably are more egotistical, um, and especially in the farming space, there's more. It's it's harder. It, it, it's, it's a lot more open now. That's for sure. The last couple of years, it's really opening up, um, and I and encourage um, all men to to find that deeper soulful level because it's it far out. It's a, it's a better place to be. So we, we've all got it in us, but we all push it down. We because we, we don't want to express it. We don't. We feel. We're in fear of expressing that side of it in case we get judged and we get that sort of slapped out of us. How do you, as a coach, um, help farmers identify that? Like, how do you, what are the steps or what's the, you know, everyone has their own way of getting to that point, you know? How, mm. how, how do you suggest or how do you coach people to get to maybe that point where they're even looking at that as being a positive thing to do? Mm. Great question. Um, I might have told you. I'm full on. Slap them. Slap them. Um, Is it pain? Do they have to experience pain? Great question. So, um, uh, well, great comment. You've nailed it. It it generally takes pain. Next question. Your turn. Well, just on pain, I look at the the classic example or or metaphor is a bow and arrow. So, for for an arrow to project forward, it has to go backwards. So, that pain is, is the pullback. Um, and the further you pull back, the deeper the pain, the further the arrow goes forward. Um, and I'll come, I'll come to why that's so relevant to me shortly. Um, in the next three hours when we get to get to the end of my journey. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, so I actually, as a coach, I find it a little bit tricky when I'm coaching someone. I had a guy yesterday who broke down on, on Zoom. I was on Zoom with him. He, he broke down because a few issues with his family business. Um, and what, where he sees the direction of it going. Um, I was excited. He, he was in tears and I was excited because it's the arrow getting pulled back. It's a, it's a breakdown and a breakthrough follows a breakdown. We can't have a good breakthrough without a breakdown. 
So, um, like I said, a lot of the time it takes it. That's what's a three year journey. This program is because it takes a lot of time, a lot of getting to meet different people, um, challenging webinars, coaching, just identifying values, goals, etc., and then the obstacles bubble up to the surface, and then we deal with them. A lot of them can be pretty hard to break through. A lot of tears and um, a lot of excitement when we break through them. So, your comment on pain is pain is good. Pain, pain can be good. And as a coach, if I see pain, I see an opportunity. As they say, there's no growth stimulant like pain. Mm, that's it. Um, and having done the the um, Stuart Andrews and Peter Andrews Town Park Natural Seekers Farming course last week here, one thing that was identified pretty clearly was, you know, the cycles of of um, of drought and fire and flood. Uh, mm. uh, you know, they are very real cycles in the Australian landscape, at least. And what was highlighted was the the, the drought being. Oh, well, I mean, fires are pretty devastating, but droughts, you know, droughts tend to last longer, I guess, <clears throat> um, and potentially more far-reaching. You know, that is the pain point at which when the rain falls, when the, break, the drought does break, is the renewal of that landscape having been pushed to that point, often through grazing or, you know, lack of water, and, and that is the opportunity for the weeds, our repair plants, mm-hmm. To emerge in that landscape to do a job, yeah, you know that's the that's the change of pattern. It's the, it's the inflection of the succession in that landscape that many farmers will go. Well, I've just gone back two steps, and maybe you have because you're grazing a bit heavy and all your grass is gone or some of it's gone, and, you, and, and you're going, "Well, those bloody what's that Patterson's curse doing here? Mm. So thistles doing here? Well, thank God they're there. Mm. You know, thank God there was something ready to jump in. You know, and yeah. I guess. In some ways, in, in what you're doing, Dave, and what <clears throat> many other businesses are doing in, in coaching farmers, thank God they're there to, you know, when when the drought is on in the heads of some farmers, not yeah. just in the paddock but in their, in their minds between the ears, in that paddock, you know, that there are people like you out there who are helping plant those seeds. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what, what's the opportunity? What, totally. What, yeah, what's the opportunity out of this drought or – Flood or family breakdown or whatever, whatever it might be. There's always an opportunity. There is, and you know, to, to just put referencing drought one, last, one, one more time. You know, we're always as farmers um, in the middle of it, yep. um, recovering from it, mm. or preparing for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in each one of those stages is, as you say, an opportunity to look at um, what can be done. What mm. can I prepare for? What can I look forward to? You know. Yep. Yep. So the first, the first two years. Um, in my coaching career was New South Wales and Queensland and some of Victoria were in drought. Um, so a lot of my coaching sessions, one-on-one sessions, were trying to keep people motivated and, and, and see something, see, see a horizon somewhere. Um, but the opportunity in that was get your finances right. So understand your, you, you, when you're in a drought, you have to understand your budget to the final dollar, really. Um, so that was a great opportunity. So the, the drought caused a lot of people that I was working with to really nail their scorecard, their, their understanding of all their financials. And I sort of, you know, it was a, a bit of an epiphany, I don't know if you call it an epiphany, but certainly something that I sort of thought very much about there only, only last, not only last year, but in terms of putting it into words was, you know, as farmers, you know, there's lots of things we can do if we're in our own regenerative journey, but one is to release that need, get off that ego ladder of controlling nature, mm. right? Yeah. You know, we, we often 
you know, and I certainly did, spend a lot of time controlling that, whether that be with an implement in the paddock, it's a spray, it's an intervention in a landscape or with animal health that generally short-term and can be very destructive and creates a cycle of things that aren't necessarily good for ourselves or, or nature. And, and, and releasing the need to control landscape and nature in the way we used to and, 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 and focusing that energy on the control of our finances, mm. you know, and just doing a 180 go, I'm not going to worry about that thistle out there. It's doing a job. Thank God it's there. Yeah. I'm not going to spend the money or the time spraying that. I'm going to spend the money potentially and the time in the office just drilling down on my finances and yeah. understanding that because that is in my control yep. 100% to some degree, bank interest rates, market, commodities, whatever, but focusing on what you can control is a really powerful mm. Um, mindset. Yep, absolutely. And I think another another huge part of the mindset is having the awareness that you don't know, but it's okay not to know as well. So that's where it comes back to curiosity. If you if you want to go down that region, there'll be a lot of listeners here now that want to go down that region path, but it's a big path to go down, and it and it's there's no blueprint for it. So there's a lot of self doubt and a lot of well, I don't know what I'm talking about, but that doesn't matter. If you can just say, you know what, I'm happy with where I am today. If I have to go put a little bit of spray or fur out today, because that's where I'm at, that's that's my current reality. Be okay with that, but understanding that you're on a you're on a you're on a journey, you're on a, you're on a path to somewhere better, but you don't need to know what that is just now. And if it's yeah, if that's the steps you're taking with a better future in mind, whatever better looks like for you and how far down the track you, you determine, that's that's absolutely okay. And I, we we you know we say when I say we Hamish McKay and I at our biodynamics course or just chatting to farmers in any any forum. I, I went cold turkey, mm. and that was fine. In, in fine, in terms of that was what I decided to do, and I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. Um, we 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 advocate, as an example, you know, if you're spending five hundred bucks a hectare on your cropping or something, you know, whatever it might happen to be, and you carve off ten percent of that, mm. don't change your budget. You're just reallocating what's actually in the budget. Yep. So, you know, 450 bucks is for your normal stuff and put 50 bucks a hectare into a biological addition, additive, whatever it happens to be. So you're not – the bank manager's not having a heart attack. You know, your wife's not going, well, hang on, what's this blowout here? And actually just on that one, it's probably the wives of nudge the, farm, the, the farmers, the males to do, is, have a look at this different way anyway, which is another thing we can go down, um, which I'd like to um, – and and step into it lightly. You know, the first twelve months, just see what happens. And if you don't like it, doesn't feel good, and you don't get good results, that's fine. You didn't spend any more money. You know, yeah. and I don't, I don't, I, I doubt very much you'll have a worse a worse yield. You might be the same, but mm. you might see other different types of yield. There might be a better yield in your head. Mm. There might be different ecological KPIs you can start creating and identifying that actually help you go. You know what didn't actually make any more money out of that. But I think my money, where I did gain, is actually in the ground. It's in the soil. Yeah, yeah. It's in my ecological bank account. Yeah. You know, which is a whole other conversation about what is what should should what is and what's actually not on our balance sheets. Yeah. Before yeah. we go down there though, Dave, let's get back to your story. So a couple of years in there as a client of um, Farm Owners Academy. Mm. Yes, yeah, so that three year journey, so fifteen, sixteen and seventeen, um, was able to turn basically turn our farm on Kango Island from busy and okay to great and very leveraged, very, very time rich and, and the income was starting to come in. Um, and then there's a little hiccup. Well, actually, 
2018, um, Farm Owners Academy, when I graduated, asked me to become one of their part-time coaches. So that's sort of how I got into this role. So I was coaching six businesses um, every month, one-on-one every month. Um, and then that sort of over 2019, that sort of it just evolved as more people come in to the program. I sort of got up to about, I think it was 24 or something, or 30 to 32 businesses that I was coaching one-on-one. Um, what does that look like? Once a week? Um, What's a fortnight? So, well, back then it was, yeah, just a week, a week's work for me, really. Um, just once, once a month, chatting with them for 45 minutes on Zoom or over the phone, helping them set goals, making sure they're a bit of accountability, making sure that they're keeping up with the program, answer any questions they might have. A lot of it is support. Like it's the, the beauty about coaching that it's one phone call, one phone call might be trying to help someone identify what colour tractor to buy. The next phone call might be trying to help someone save their marriage. Mm. and finding out, okay, what's the next step? Okay, that's your relationship. What do, we, what do we need to do from here? And just trying to identify people's BS a little bit, call them on their excuses, um, and that's people are very grateful for that. Um, it's, it's, it's a skill. It's, it's hard to do, um, but really really helping them identify what they need next and, and holding them accountable for that. So that, that was a week, a month really. And um, So what happened there? So 20... 15, and I, we don't need to go into it too much, but basically my dad come to me one day 20, sometime in 2015 or 16 and said, hey, um, your sister's coming home from Melbourne back to the farm. Um, I'm going to take your farm back off you, out of your name and put it in my name. So I essentially spent that five or six years as a business owner, farm owner, to an employee of dad's again. So when you say your farm... You mean you, not the one at KI, you mean the, the, the family farm? So, yeah, so my so mum and dad and my brother were back on the family farm on, on north of Adelaide mm-hmm. um, and I was, myself and, and Becky were running my farm, our farm um, on KI. So that, that farm on KI had a, had a big vision for that and then that sort of got taken away from me. So that, that, that was my big uh, breakdown, if that makes sense. That was the, the pain for me. Um, that, that took a lot to work through. Um, all it was really, in, in the end, is, is different values. It was Dad had a value of work hard. Um, y- y- yeah, that, that theory of working hard is success. Um, and my, my values were I want to do whatever I can to make sure that my family live a good life and that I have a good life. And I spend time – like I was at, at – as well as planting trees at midnight, I was leaving kids' birthday parties on a Sunday to go fencing mm. early. Mm. Um, that – I, I didn't value that. Um, so I, I had to make a decision. I had a lot of conversations with Dad around this, um, and, and there's no right or wrong. Like, I'm not saying Dad is wrong. He, he, who, who knows who's right who's wrong? But it was there was no future in that for me. So, um, I, yeah, I went f- probably two years, what was it, end of 2018, decided um, that it wasn't going to work, um, and that wasn't my future. So I decided to – Because you were working – essentially working for your father at that time. Yeah, so yeah, so I, he, I still made all the decisions. Yeah, but it was I wasn't really making any money. Um, didn't there, there, the communication wasn't there? It, it got a little bit not not super pretty, if that makes sense. We, we were very um, uh, humble about it. Or what's, what's, I don't know. Which, we kept it yeah. above board, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. But it was just a different different alignment of values. Um, so I decided to that to walk away basically, um, which was which was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, to walk away from your own farm, your own home. Like it, it wasn't 
really a farm. It was more of a home. The, the landscape, the trees, the animal, that, that was my home. So that was bloody tough, but a bloody good opportunity. Um, so that's when Andrew Roberts, the other co-founder, and Greg come to me and said, hey, if this doesn't work out on your farm, we'd love to have you full-time in Farm Manners Academy as, as one of our coaches. So that's that's where my journey went from. So we can just sort of, yeah, move to KI, farm ownership, lost that farm ownership, um, lost a fair bit of control of my own directional life, um, and then, yeah, moved into the, the coaching role with Farm Owners Academy. Moved off, moved off the farm? Moved off the farm. Because we were living out of the overdraft of the farm when it was in my name, um, when we got that taken away from us, we had zero dollars. Mm. We're back to zero, so we couldn't even afford to put the kids to send the kids to the dentist a week later. Um, couldn't even really afford to put food on the table. Um, that lasted probably a year or two. Like our budgets were not looking good. Skinny. Very, very skinny. Um, it was it was meant to be for us. It was an exciting opportunity for us to learn, okay, what do we need to do to, to live like this? How, what, what do we need to put in place? What opportunities are in this? Are you looking for more information to assist you on your regenerative journey? We've created an online community of supporters with exclusive access to interview transcripts, live online Q&A sessions with Charlie and his interviewees, as well as the opportunity to be interviewed on the show yourself. If you would like to be part of this community or would simply like to contribute to the development of the podcast series, please make your way to patreon.com forward slash the regenerative journey podcast. We look forward to you becoming a member of the Regenerative Journey community. Let's get back to this week's episode. If you hadn't done your training, your three years Farmers Academy, you know your your personal development and business development. I don't know whether that the, the, the chain of events your your farm being taken away with you would have still happened. Who knows? <clears throat> but if it had, I mean, and you hadn't had that training, what what do you think would have happened? Who knows? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I would have went. To, I'd, I'd had some pretty hard times, some some pretty challenging times when you've built what you see as a, a successful farm, and I've probably built some worthiness in being able to support my family in that, and have all that taken away. You doubt yourself. You're like, how, how Who am I as a father and as a husband to have essentially failed? Um, that you can go down that path, but. My, my, luckily enough for the mindset training and the, having the right people around me, I was able to say, you know what, this is, this is an opportunity. I've got a bigger life to live than being a farmer. Um, let's go get it. What do I need to do to go and get it? And that sort of led me to where, to where I'm at the moment. So thank goodness you had that, you had, had the foresight, as it were, to have done that, that training. Absolutely. So your story, I suspect, is not uncommon in terms of, Family succession, um, relationships, communication—you know—and a lot of farmers, you know, they traverse that that pretty um, that shaky ground without much support and without without much you know training. Yep, yep. especially and if that I guess it's a family where that's frowned upon. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it, if you can take the blame out of it, like there's, I've got every reason to probably go. And blame and, and find excuses and be in denial, blah, blah, blah. But to actually take ownership of it is it can completely take you down a different or, or take you up a, a, a better journey of, of life. So that's that's my 100%. There's so many farmers that I work with now that are in a similar position um, that are 
that have a team has different values. Um, so that's why it's so critical. You talked about business values earlier that we have clear business values because that's that sets the rules in the business. Um, but there's there are a lot of people out there that just can't. There's unreasonable um, discussions if that. So if if my values a um, dad or brother or sister or whoever might see that value as completely unreasonable. So my my value of family and um, adventure was completely unreasonable to to dad's values of hard work mm. and dad's value of hard work is, is unreasonable to me so if, if you can't communicate and connect with them that there's no point in, in living a life that isn't your your soulful purpose um so that was a big that was a big breakthrough i guess uh, an, an opportunity given to you mm. um not i mean you'd obviously done the work to get to the point where the boys thought no nah, this bike's pretty handy on the team so it wasn't as though you know You'd done the work to get to that point. You had mm. prepared, as they say, success. I bang on about it a heap because I love it. You know, success is the confluence or luck, whatever you want to put it up front, is the confluence of preparation and opportunity. Mm. You'd yeah. prepared yourself for those years and you'd been through some ups and downs and then they gave you the opportunity, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. In some ways your father gave you the opportunity. Well, Dad, Dad gave it to me that, and that's how I got my, myself through that journey is that I, I thanked Dad for the for pushing me down this path, and if it if it wasn't for for that, I wouldn't have went down this this path. And it's a path path that I'm very passionate about about helping helping others. It's not just about me now. Um, I could be a successful farmer for myself, but now I get to help other farmers be successful. It's a lot more fulfilling. Dave, let's. Um where do we want to go now? Let's finish your journey to this point. Yep. You're coaching for a couple of years. You're now. Um, traveling around Australia comes back to values again, Charlie, which is passion. So one of my my values is passion. So we um, farm farmers academy actually helped me build a house. They they supported me and and they lent me some money because we we obviously didn't have much of a budget there. So they helped me move off of the farm because we we couldn't afford to rent, but we did have a block of land down by the coast um, that we bought a couple of years earlier. So that was sort of sitting there. Um, owed a lot of money on it, so that was a bit, bit daunting. But that, So they helped me get there. So I spent the last two years or last year living there, working from there. Um, amazing, but really, really missed the farm. Um, so I was coming back to, okay, what what am I passionate about? How can I – I love helping farmers. I love coaching. I love talking to farmers. But I, I'm not passionate about sitting in my office five days a week. So what, what do I need to do to get the best of both worlds? Um, so I rang – Greg and Jeremy, um, Jeremy's our CEO and, and Greg's the co-founder and said, hey, what if, I, what if I bought a caravan? Would you mind if my office had wheels on it? So then also I can travel, which I'm passionate about, family's passionate about, and I can coach, which I'm passionate about. So coming, that's, that's nailing the passion value. Um, Greg's response to that was, hey, if you want to be out on the road, we would love to have someone out on the road. We'll, we'll put together Farm Owners Academy caravan and four-wheel drive. Um, so we didn't have to pay for it. They farmers can we put that together, and we ran all the ran all the figures on it, and it stacked up. So that's how we found our way to Hanamino today. So twenty fifth uh, of January two thousand twenty one this year, we we headed off. So we're on the road for twelve months doing the the lap um, while working from the road. So a lot of our members are up the east coast. Um, so sort of next between January and June is visiting a lot of our members. And then um, the rest is opportunity and, and coaching from an office with wheels. So pretty important um, 
uh, I guess, opportunity for you to spend time with your family and 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 execute, not execute, probably the wrong word. <laughs> Let's turn that right 180 degrees. Live your values. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we uh, I, I wake up every morning and go to bed every night just feeling so fulfilled that we are living all of our values, mm-hmm. adventure, fun, family, passion, courage. And the kids get to choose where to go? Are you, are you giving them any sort of, uh, you know, direction or, or, or asking them for <laughs> They're, they're just getting wrapped, up, they're getting wrapped along. Um, <laughs> no, well, it, it's, it's pretty busy sort of this. The East Coast is, is a little bit busy. You're, because you're, still, of, you're still doing work. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm working five days a week and um, that work, a lot of that is having barbecues and um, socialising with farmers, which isn't really work, to be honest, um, and, and doing some a lot, what we call an alignment session. So get on farm, do a farm tour, understand where they're at, get really, really clear, help me understand what they're trying to prove uh, and, and pursue, um, and then capture their vision and their, their strategy and their goals in a document. I think it's really important, and, and I know Hamish and Mackay and I talk about I haven't really got the time to do it as much as I love getting on farm and just yarning and looking and discussing is exactly that, going to, you know, graduates of our course, and Hamish is, you know, hopefully going to do more of that, is, um, yeah, travel and mm-hmm. go to the graduates, have the half day, the full day, you know, help them get answer questions and some of the physical stuff, some of the some of the practical stuff of, you know, let's get, let's, you know, get a flow form or borrow my flow form or um, as an example of a bit of, probably the only bit of gear most farmers don't have, and get it out there, mm. you know, and I think that's that brings it, that makes it a reality for so many people because otherwise it's stuff in a book, it's stuff online, it's conversations and it's that execution or the assistance in executing um, that is, in our, in our case, often physical out in the paddock and in your case you are, you're, you're representing what they've learned and they're, you're in their home. Mm. They can't escape you. No, I've got them pinned. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is really important, you know, it's because it's a follow-up, it's a momentum and it's accountability. It is. It, it, it is. It's very unleveraged for the business because there's someone on the road. So, so um, our coaches, generally in the second year of the program, the, the members coach will come and visit them. Um, so we've got out in the, out in the sticks everywhere. Um, we've got members. So it's, it's inefficient for us to get out there and, and travel, um, but it's very, very important. It, it makes a huge difference for me to be able to get out there, sit around their, their dining table, be in their home, be in their energy, um, and then have have some breakthroughs. Like every every farm visit would just been been exceptional, and that must be quite fulfilling for you and empower. Not empowering is probably the wrong word, but that's I guess fulfilling. Yeah, very it's like like having knowing you're helping a farmer for them to be fulfilled. Yeah. So my, my goal when I or my intention when I go on farm is to leave that farm having that farmer feeling inspired. Most most farmers are probably hit the ceiling a little bit, so don't know where to go next. Maybe they've got a, they've got a big vision, but there's some some hurdles in it. So breaking down the processes to get through those hurdles, or even opening up, up opportunities where people might be they might be smaller farms. How do we get bigger in today's world? It's it's near impossible some in some parts. So helping them identify where they're at um, and what their next opportunities in is, and getting that written down in an mm. exciting sort of step-by-step process. Actionable steps. Mm. Tell me, Dave, um, we'll spear off topic. Hang on, I'm going to write some else down there because I just remembered. Um, what are you irate about? Oh, I'm not irate about anything. 
I you? can't. No, don't, you don't have to be. You not when you're when you're on the soulful ladder. Every when you when something. Um, can I give you an example of this? No. Okay. No, you have to look at Next question. <laughs> no, go shoot. This um, is good. So, and everyone, this is just an opinion of ours. So, on, on Kangaroo Island National Park, National Park, not a conservation park, it's a national park set up for conservation. No one can touch it. Um, the government have allowed a private company to build, and so I think, and, and don't quote me on this, is I don't know the ins and outs of this, but so pretty much you can, if you've got over a million dollar project, you can open up national parks yours. You can go and put up a resort or do whatever you want. So, so there was a resort that was going to go in the national park on Kangaroo Island. Um, this is after the fires. This no, is before the before fires. The fires okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was going to it was going to sort of it goes against it was is an off island company, um, a big company that was going to sort of take away from what the, the national park is. And um, Kangaroo Island, it's it's a small community. People are very passionate about it. People have grown up in that area for forever and. This would have been a big, big scar on, on their landscape. Um, so it's natural to be come from an irate point of view or a negative point of view to fight that. Um, so a lot of fighting, a lot of um, protesting, etc. But because of the the journey that we've been on, Becky come up with the idea. <coughs> excuse me, come up with the idea of let's let's not fight this. We, we don't agree with it. How can we not not fight the not fight the decision of the government, but actually? prove how much we love this land. So it comes from – so any protesting is comes from a negative point of view. This comes from a, a loving Push. point of view, yeah. if that makes sense. So, mm. hey, don't ruin this because we all love it and this is why. So she actually did – she did a, um, a video that went a little bit viral um, and just, just expressing and, and sharing why we love that land so much and, and why that will, will ruin it. So does that make sense? So it's, a, it's an, something that could upset – that upset a lot of people. But now we can approach it from more of a loving and a positive point of view rather than a, and a negative and fighting. And I think as probably regen farmers that um, are passionate about something and anyone that's climate change, all that sort of stuff, it's easy to be passionate in an angry way. But I think we need to be passionate in a loving way. And that will that, I think that's the difference between how we can um, be seen as a pain and in the way versus someone that's going to make change. And I think, you know, the, 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 as you said, the passion and the get out angry, that negative way, it's based in fear, isn't it? It's fear of the, of the outcome, fear of the consequences, fear of the, fear of the unknown. It is. So everything is fear-based. And this comes back to living that positive journey and understanding, having, having the awareness of everything that comes up. So generally everything is fear. If, you, if you're angry, if anger comes up for you, it's a fear of something. It could be fear of missing out. It could be fear of failure. It could be fear of success. Um, it could be fear of being wrong. So an argument with someone generally, with, with your wife or with a friend or with your dad, who, who, it's generally a fear of you being proven wrong or, or that you are wrong and you're trying to justify yourself. So every, there's yeah, there's a fear in everything just about. And as they, I can't remember where I got this from. It might have been Tony Robbins. Is that gratitude is the antidote to fear. You know, that you're going from a place of fearfulness, you know, and anger. You know, anger is a result of fear, as you say, Dave. But if one is grateful in this case, like instead of being fearful of that, um, that uh, that activity, that that event happening, of actually the consequence of that is is looking at it differently, same situation, different pair of eyes, and go, I'm grateful for this opportunity to express the love we have for this island, to make our point, and that's the way we're going to 
challenge or support this 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 island um, uh, campaign, as it were. You know, so being yeah. grateful for that. Finish the podcast there. I think uh, you've nailed it. No, we didn't. We didn't even need to do this podcast because we just said that one <laughs> sentence and we covered it. Covered I'll it all. I thank Tony Robbins <laughs> for that. Hundred percent. So I actually. So journaling is a journaling affirmation is a really big part of my life. Yep. Um, and what we teach in Farmers Academy because you, you're giving yourself the opportunity to say, okay, like with with that, I could have been, or, or with my with my budget when struggling to put food on the table, I can journal and say, hey, I'm grateful to be in this opportunity because I'm learning so much. Um, and it's pushing me to go and get educated in different and go down different avenues, open different doors, or I could have just been in absolute fear of not being able to feed the family. Let's talk about habits because we were talk, sort of talking this morning about habits and journaling. I saw you there scribbling away there um, this morning, which was a wonderful thing, and I showed you something that that, um, that I do. That it's, it, it's called the 5-Minute Journal, and it's, it's good. I'll put it in the show notes, 5minutejournal.com, and it's – Similar questions. I think you you mm. you sort of mentioned there. Um, people can dig into that, and, and and it's basically, if I'm going to get this right, is um, three things you're grateful for, three things you're looking forward to today, or what would make today great, mm-hmm. and then what your affirmations are. That's the morning session. I might have mentioned this in another podcast actually. And then the evening, it's what was amazing about today. Three things was that were amazing. So you get to reflect on, um, and and create reference points for amazement. Yeah, you know, and and what the, the the trick here is with your what would make today great, and this is again a Tony Robbinsism, is don't <laughs> make sure that those things that make today great that you state are in your control. Mm-hmm. Like if if you if you one of your things was um, oh what would make today great is it would rain, mm, yeah. like. You, 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 you know, you're probably going to be disappointed. Just setting yourself up for failure. That's right. You won't have a great day. It's out of control. So make sure those things are in, in control. And they're fairly simple. And, and you know, like, you know, making my daughter smile today. Exactly know? what I was going to say. If you, well, that's one of the keys. If you, can, if, if you can set an intention for today just to make one person smile. Mm. A stranger. Stranger. Just get a stranger if you, to smile. If you walk down the street, this, I, love, I, love, I love this sort of concept. If you walk down the street and smile at one person, they're going to say, oh, that felt nice, subconsciously, not even realising. They smile at the next person, they sm- and all of a sudden you've compounded 100 smiles within about 10 minutes. It's contagious. Mm. Amplification. And so in the evening you do the three, what what was amazing about today? And again, you know, sometimes you sit there going, oh, what was bloody amazing? And what's your definition of amazing? Amazing could be just a conversation. It was amazing I got that person to smile. The chop I had for dinner was amazing. You don't – I mean, anyone can write whatever they want. I'm not telling you what to do, but in terms of just – it redefines your reference point for what's amazing and your appreciation and your gratitude for life. And then the last bit is a bit of a learning, a bit of a reflection is, you know, what would have made today better? What did I – it was basically on what did I learn today? Mm. So turning a, oh, well, I forgot to do this or I didn't do that into, um, you know, yeah, next next time I'll make sure I do do that or I'll approach that in a different way. So journaling, let's get back to habits, Dave. Yep. What are some of your habits? What are, what are some of the, your own personal habits or – Maybe, maybe not all your personal habits. Yeah, um, don't go there. <laughs> but, okay, let me, re- let me reframe that. What are, what, are some of the, what are some of the habits you teach your clients? Yeah, yeah. Or suggest. Yeah, good. And just, just to finish off on the journaling too, just because it is tricky, it takes a while to get, um, A, go and buy yourself a sexy journal. That's going to work better than just buying a, a $3 notepad. Um, it just does. Yeah. Um, I like the phrase, look good, feel good, play good. So if you if you look good, you're going to feel good and you're going to play good. 
Um, and that's there's a you gotta be careful with that because that can be going up the ego ladder that that looking good thing, but it's it's about looking good for it's an affirmation, looking good. Um, and write your journal as if never ever read it, don't read it back because if you write and put if you write from a judgment, if you're judging yourself and what you write, it's going to be very hard to say, hey, I'm grateful for something a little bit fluffy. Like if you're writing some fluffy stuff in there, it's going to be hard to write that. Um, if you need to, just write it and throw it in the bin straight away, so you don't have that fear of someone else reading it or yourself judging yourself on, did I really write that? Just just let it go. Just just write. Open up. Um, what, are, what other habits do we teach? Um, the morning routine is critical. Mm. So when your morning, elevate your life is Robin Sharma's little phrase, um, something that we're doing with 100-odd farms at the moment in Farm Hunters Academy um, is the 20-20-20 rule. So get up at 5 a.m. Is, is the ideal, but... That's I'm in, I'm living out of a caravan at the moment as we travel Australia. So it's, how do you sneak out at five a.m.? Well, I don't. I uh, six thirty for me. So our kids, honestly, our kids wake up at eight o'clock. Oh, it's the six thirty club. It's the six thirty <laughs> club. It's a new club we're starting. <laughs> so it does. Of we five a.m. is ideal because it's, it's it's solitude. There's an, an hour of bliss from five a.m. to six. Um, and if you can get it, it's it's amazing. But it's not realistic for everyone. Um, so an hour, so twenty minutes of Workout, exercise, get get the blood going. Twenty minutes of sort of reflection, so journaling um, or affirmations or meditation. So meditation is a, is mm. another big one that we really push, um, and, a, and a hard one and paradigm to break a little bit as well for a lot of people. But amazing if you again curious, curious to, to that what what the benefits are. Um, and then the third twenty minutes is education. So read a book, listen to a podcast. Maybe that's what you're doing right now. Um, and at um, at at five forty, five forty to <laughs> six six a.m. You're listening to this. What well up? This might take you twelve days to get through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, um, so fitness and health is is vital. Um, I read a stat the other day that science now proves that uh, serotonin, pretty sure it's serotonin, which is the happy chemical in that gets to our brain, they thought it come from our brain. It actually, 80% of it now, they've proven 80% of that is released from your gut. Mm. Just proves how important gut health is for the happiness of your life. The gut brain. The gut brain. Um, so, yeah, physical health, external and internal. Internal health, it's, it's easy to be um, fit on the outside. A lot of people think they can out-train a bad diet, but they can't. Um, so you've got to be fit inside and outside. Um, your mind's got to be got to be fit. So, Robin Sharma talks about um, heart set, health set, mindset, and soul set. And if you can get those four and align those four um, through routine and, and rituals and discipline, um, that's that's for me. That's going to set you up for a very very successful life. Um, yeah. So, what was it? Heart set, health set, mm-hmm. soul set. No soul set, mindset, and, and mindset. Um, oh, I had a rip rip a question there for you, Dave. Um, oh yes, so those four twenty minute sessions in that yep. first three. hour, three, yeah. Uh, sorry, three, three. Um, from five to six, uh, essentially looking at the first twenty is is soul. I, I think, yeah, uh, that's your. Oh no, sorry, the first one is your is your physical. Fitness. So yep. so is your, is your physical. Um, your second is your soul because you're just you're giving yourself that space and you are really focusing on your your yourself your individuality 
And then your third one is your mind, isn't it? So mm. it's, it's, it's mind, body, spirit in a yeah. way, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, spirit, soul. So that's cool. So that's a that's a so you, so you you do that from six thirty to seven thirty. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. And then I plan from seven thirty to eight. Um, plan as in your day or your plan, plan my day. Yeah. Yep. Um, every day is a little bit different. I'm I'm very flexible with it on the road and having the being, allowing yourself to be okay with like if you put too much pressure on yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. If you say, um, if you if you set a goal that's unrealistic, so it's unrealistic for me to get up at five. Because I can't get back into the caravan until eight o'clock when the kids have sort of woken up. Mm. That's just that's normally camping. You wake up at six, but for some reason they're waking up at eight. So just mindful of that. Um, so not setting yourself up for failure. If you if you set a goal that you can't obtain, all you're doing is digging into your self esteem. So if you if you set your alarm at five and you press snooze, you you're taking away like yourself. You're blowing your self esteem, um, which is then you start to judge yourself as a failure. So set realistic goals, mm. set ridiculous goals 10 years from now, like ridiculous. If you know how to obtain your 10-year goal, it's nowhere near big enough. But today's goal, set it really, really realistic. Um, and, oh, God, can you my tummy rumbling? Do you have breakfast? Do you eat breakfast? No, I, uh, no, I don't eat breakfast. No. Um, I sort of work on the 16-8 the fast, intermittent fasting mm. rule, so not not – Crucial, um, but just sort of a, a general rule that was was a habit that I dove into, a discipline that I dove into for probably two months, and now it's just just natural. So that's this program that this um, twenty 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 that we're doing is a sixty six day challenge. So we're trying to break that. Most people will do a, um, a, try to create a habit over six weeks, or at that six week phase, they'll they'll nearly break through. They'll be going through what we call perturbation, which is like this the squeeze of the the, um, the hourglass, and then they it's too uncomfortable, so they pop back up into comfort zone. They sleep in, they turn their alarm off. So six week cycle. So if you can break crack that six week cycle, come out the other end. That's why we set that sixty six days. There's a bit of science around that apparently. Mm. Um, to then form it as a habit. So any any don't try and create five habits over the next sixty six days. Create one or two, nail that, and then just keep layering it. Layering it from and that's that. a Robin, Robin Sharman uh, exercise at sixty six day. It is, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's so sort of, it's all based on the on Robin Sharma's book, Robin the Five AM Club. Yep. Yeah, cool. Dave, what are you excited about? Um, I'm excited about a change in the world. I think um, really feel I've, I've a strong pull to Indigenous people. I, don't, I I haven't really gone too far into it, but for some reason, I, ever since I was a kid. Um, I have had that connection there somewhere deep inside. So just so many opportunities. I'm just excited about the opportunities that lie ahead in, in this regen space, not only for me but for, for everyone. Um, just excited to be able to be part of part of change. Just watching farmers come into the Farm Owners Academy Platinum Program, that's, that's where I see most farmers, and watching their transition and just seeing the opportunities that they just – Breakthrough and and just a lifetime of opportunities ahead of them. So it's helping others fulfil their dreams, helping others helping others realise their dreams yeah. first. Yep, because they don't. Most people don't know what their dreams are. So helping them realise their dreams and then helping them fulfil their dreams. Let's talk about women in agriculture. Yep. What do you think? Um, I think. Women is are there, the key are, to agriculture. Are there, are there too many of them in 
You said that. Not, no. <laughs> <laughs> I speak to a lot of women. I was, I was, so part of my role <laughs> in Farmers Academy, hundred <laughs> percent. It, it's I speak to. So part of my role is speaking to farmers that are interested in the program. Um, and honestly, eighty percent of those people are women because mm. they can see that something needs to change on the farm. The husband is too busy or um, not making enough money. They're, they've bought a brand new tractor, but the kitchen hadn't been renovated yet. Maybe just to feel those little tricks. So, so they're open to reaching <laughs> out. They're probably it, our reach is a lot of it's through social media. So they and, and our podcast. So they they're um, more exposed to it. They reach out and say, "Hey." I've, I think I'm finally, or, or we, or we need this, or I think my husband might be, or my husband needs this. How do I get him involved? Um, so we've got a few different programs um, that we that we run to try and wean people into it a little bit. But the women are definitely more proactive in in change, and I think that's exciting. I think we need more more of them. We need we need our blokes to. Uh, Feminine up a bit, or yeah. whatever it's called. Express their feminine, they, their um, yeah, their feminine side. Yeah, which is get, I think our left side. I know I went to a massage person years ago, and I must have had a very tight left buttock. And <laughs> where's this going? <laughs> <laughs> the, the lady masseuse, um, she said, oh, "You're not expressing your feminine side." Yeah, right. That because it was tight as a thing. So I think that's there's something in that for all of us. Um, so why is it that you think that they're just more open to that? What is it? Apart from, you know, I guess, the, is it is it a gender thing? Is it, uh, which I guess has to be in a way because that's, that's, that's the, that's the def- mm. definition we're using, you know, male and female, but why are they, are they, are they higher up on the soul ladder than men? Are they, yeah, I'd say so. Is it, the men aren't even on the soul ladder? I think um, just gender-wise and the science behind it, definitely, Um but also the the pressure and the, the expectations that we put on ourselves as, as men. Like I've, I'm probably more of a feminine. Like I, I could easily walk into a bar and not drink a beer when all my mates are saying, "Hey, have a beer." It's challenging, but that's. So I've always sort of been leaning more that side of, of backing my true self in and not feeling like I haven't had that judgment of, you know what, I don't have to be a blokey bloke. Um, but I think there is a lot of that judgment on ourselves to be a blokey bloke, and if we if we open ourselves up and dive into that feminine side, that can be a bit of a I don't know. We can, we'll probably judge ourselves. So, but the beauty I get to see with farmers now is that they like we've got farmers doing some some they go off on a spiritual journey, and they're the happiest they've ever been. Their, their life flows, everything happens from more money, more time, more happiness. The family's happy. Um, we a lot of that comes back to watching our own words as well. Um, so I had, a, I had a farmer on on Zoom yesterday who said um, we had a, had a family meeting and it turned into a shit fight. I just said, mate, you change your words, change the words that you're. It wasn't a shit fight. It was just you. I've just values your values didn't align in that meeting. So he said that was a shit fight or something mm. like that. And so he he put that on the table as that was a disaster. Yeah, so you can see how he's blown that up. Mm. If he changes his words, he can calm that whole situation down and take action and responsibility for the next steps to resolve it. Um, and I think as men, that was one of my biggest breakthroughs was actually watching the wording that I use because a lot of it is you're just accentuating the situation more. And I think as guys we do that and women don't. And we accentuate it because there's a particular outcome or a particular perspective we have. We are looking at it that those words, those 
potentially inappropriate words or, or not necessarily the most helpful words are supporting that paradigm or that, that mm. thing we're looking for. There's a great book, and I can't remember the name, but Aaron McKenzie, who I interviewed the other day, he said it was one of, a, it was one of his significant, I guess, moments or reads in his life. I think it was early 20s. I can't remember. It was, a, it was exactly that. It was about the sense of the power of words. Mm. And, it, and, that it is, and that's, again, a very Tony Robbins thing. It's about our, you know, our physical presence and our... And, and and how we what the words we're saying how we frame them up you know we can say the same thing in a positive way or a negative way mm. it's a bit like you know when we're looking at a situation and and he um, Tony Robbins mentioned this um, uh, example of there were twins and um, they I'm just trying to get it right now they, they were they were twins are very similar people and I think a, a mutual friend died in a war, was killed, right? And one of the twins, so, you know, in some ways genetically they're the same, mm. right, these twins. But a mutual friend of the twins died in a war. And then one of the twins, it, it, it changed his life, right? He was just devoted. He was saying war, you know, war's horrible and life's no good and we're all going to die and it, that was his view. And his twin, genetically the same in theory, Use that as a learning. Went, my God, life is so precious, mm. you know. And it was a really and and sort of the associated words and the associated attitude and perspective. And same situation, through a different lens, using different words, created a very different outcome for those two people. Yep. You know, yep. and that was all in their control. Mm. It was just the lens through which they saw it. A bit like 100%. the natural seconds farming the other day. My lens has changed, and I'm looking through a different one at the landscape now, and looking at that as a as an amazing positive thing because we now I understand now the opportunity mm. we have yep. to capture water as a as an example Wayne Dyer said when you change the way that you look at things the things that you look at change it's, it's, it's if we can get that everything is easy totally and it's that, again it's, it, it is absolutely in our control let's talk about um, learnings Dave mm. Link. oh now how are we going for time because I know I'm just conscious you've got a sort of no no I'm good bit. you're good I'm good um, Learnings. What are, what are some of the sort of the key learnings you've 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 had in your your regenerative journey? Mm, so many, so many. I think the big one for me is is personal health, um, and just a, a quote that I stuck up by my. So, if I can recommend anyone to anyone listening, if they want to take the next steps, is dive into your values, work out what they are, print them out, put them everywhere, affirmations everywhere, quotes everywhere. So, one of the the, the strong quotes that I had um, when I was challenging myself for my morning routine was we all must suffer from one of two things, the pain of regret or the pain of discipline. So just to put that into context is if I hit, if I set my alarm for 5 a.m. and I don't get up, that's regret. There's, mm. there's pain of regret there. Um, um, and if I do get up, it's, it's, it hurts. It's not easy getting up and when it's raining and going outside and going for a jog. That's, that's part of the pain of discipline. So we must all suffer from one of two things. Might as well take the discipline one and, and get growth rather than go down the, the, the negative spiral. So that's um, one of my biggest learnings as far as the, re, the regen space goes is that um, we just don't know. I think we know nothing, to be honest, um, about what what can be, what is, what, what is the potential. The potential that this landscape has got, that our farming capacity has got. Um, we don't need to know, but I think it's exciting and that's probably – a huge learning for me is that, um, yeah, it's it's just exciting to know that there's so much to learn. There's thousands of years worth of stuff to learn. We had a, had a 
the, the birds, I'm not, I'm not a scientist, but um, the fact that birds can rock up at a lake that's been dry for 20 years and they rock up a few days after it's got water in it. So <laughs> It's crazy. There's so much not – what do they know that we don't know? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, um, and I think there's so many lessons like that that we can implement over time on, on our farms and the way that everything the, – the symbiosis of the landscape and, and the ecosystem. And what about some learnings from um – I guess whether they're um, learnings from your challenges, you know, mm. that that we, we, I guess we have touched on in the last hour or so, you know, like I guess some some yep. as part of those these discussions. But were there any sort of um, attitudinal changes that you made? Yeah, and again, you have discussed some of them, but any sort of way to express that, um, you know, the learnings, you know. Yeah, God, yeah. My, my stomach is going bananas. I don't know how well Reese. I'm not sure if you can. Reese is our wonderful. Um, what are you, Reese? You're a production. You're a production. You're editing. You're a man about town. Um, very clever bloke on the, with the tech. And I'm not sure if you can remove my tummy rumbling. <laughs> is that? Is there a button? Oh, it's going again. Is there a button there? You can. It's like tummy rumble remover. Erase that, Reese. Um, Dave, any learnings? learnings. Yeah. Um, in the early days. The, the paradigm, the, the learning is is the curiosity one. Like it's it's the biggest one for me. So paradigm shifts, being curious about any other paradigms that I can shift in. Um, so yeah, thinking that you've got to work hard to be successful is a false paradigm. Um, that's one that that's definitely one of my biggest learnings. Um, when I slowed down, everything sped up. If that makes sense. So finances. Um, business growth, all that sort of stuff, personal growth, all sped up when I slowed down. Um, and that's a, that's a really hard paradigm to break. Um, what else is there? Just definitely the the understanding of a negative is an opportunity. So breakthrough follows a breakdown. Um, and seeing, seeing the positive in everything. Um, and what we call living above the line. So below above the line is things like taking ownership, um, taking responsibility, um, Setting goals, all that, all that sort of stuff. What, what can I do in this situation in a positive way? How do, how do I, how can I own this? Versus blame, denial, victim. If you're a victim in anything, that you just you're gonna fail. You mm. never ever play victim in anything. Whatever conversation in the house or whatever. It's, it's yeah, a, so it's always a, it's live, cop out, always live it? above the line. Um, that victim thing is interesting, isn't it? Because. Um, it's a default for a lot of people. Mm. You know, it's a it's a way of stepping away from responsibility and, you know, I'm a victim, I'm out of, you know, it, these things are out of my control and I'm just copying it and I don't, you know, and then the, the sort of next step from that is is to blame someone mm. else, you know. Yeah. It totally steps away from the humanity of and humility of just accepting that responsibility. And uh, we are, again, it's about focusing what's, what you're in control of and that we every day, as Viktor Frankl said in his book, you know, Man's Search for Meaning, we have the only thing that can never be taken away from us whilst we're mentally sound <laughs> and have a brain in our head that works is our ability to choose Yep, every day. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Let's talk about... Um, Kids for a minute just just got me thinking about kids. Is there any um, any advice you can give for parenting? <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you Graphic done? What have you done, wrong, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> grab buy a caravan and go around Australia is probably one thing. It, was, <laughs> it sounds great. Is there any like any any you know, uh, talking about learnings? Listen, you know, learnings from kids. You know, about kids and, and yeah. You know, what have you learned from your kids? Um, listen. So same again. Be curious. How can I be a better parent? Go and read the go and read books. So at the moment, our ten year old is could be seen as <clears throat> excuse me a bit of a pain in the butt. Um, trying to wrestle me, trying to take me down when I'm not looking and trying to, hey, Dad, look at me, look at me. <laughs> you could see that as a, as a pain um, and say, so, mate, just grow up a little bit. But when you understand why he's doing that, so what's, what's the cause behind that? Um, it's because he, I'm his idol. I'm his, I'm his hero at the moment as a 10-year-old. So when he is potentially being a pain, that's when I've got to challenge my paradigm and say, you know, what, I've got to put my computer down here. I've got to go outside. I've got to kick the footy, wrestle him when I don't feel like wrestling him, um, ride the motorbike, ride the bike, do things that I don't feel like doing because that's all his world is. My world is huge at the moment. There's, you've got so many different things going on. But as a 10-year-old, his world is, is you, that, that family life at the moment. So we've got to remember how important that is. Um, so I think it's just listening to them, understanding that what they're really saying, not what they're sort of physically saying, but what they're, they're really saying on their inside, um, spending the time with them, having fun, creating craziness, I suppose, just being crazy. Like if, if you, I don't know, do something that they don't expect you to do. If, if, you, if your kids are always asking you, hey, can I have this, can I have that, and, and they, they've sort of, you, you've set boundaries, go and break those boundaries every now and then. Go and buy them something ridiculous that you wouldn't normally do or, or go and do something ridiculous that they wouldn't normally do. And then I say, hey, mum, mum and dad are pretty cool <laughs> because you, True. you've broken some boundaries. Um, Tony Robbins says, you know, he talks about reframing your job description, as it were, and that can be, you know, business and family, you know, and, mm. and you know, calling yourself. And he, he, he's very, obviously, you know, might be familiar with his work, but he's very into you know documenting those things and making it sort of like almost like a family charter and stuff. Which I guess you know, it absolutely has its merit. Um, you know, calling yourself the crazy fun time dad, mm. or you know, the officer in charge of crazy stunts and stuff. You know, and the kids mm. going, "That's cool, dad." You yeah. know, you're not like the grumpy old disciplinarian. Yeah. You're actually, you know, um, and you're right. I mean, kids are playful. Lila's name is playful in Sanskrit. Now that daughter who's Ten and a half, and she is absolutely that, you know. And mm-hmm. there's there there, and I did ten years of boarding school, very disciplined sort of upbringing and so on, which I'm grateful for. Um, and at the same time, having that as a reference point is good, but also knowing when, as you say, and I totally agree, Dave. You know, stepping over those boundaries, not playing by all the rules, mm-hmm. um, and you know, having the kids feel comfortable about owning their own. Behaviors and 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 finding those boundaries. You know, mm. yes, there's boundaries you can step over momentarily, and that's that's playful and that's healthy. And then there's obviously times when Dad has to put his serious pants on and go. Mm. You know what? That wasn't cool, and that's really healthy for kids to understand that. And the and, and the other thing I, I think about often is is choice. You know, my view <clears throat> view of a lot of child psychologists just happens is that we give our children sometimes too many choices. Mm. Because life's not necessarily all about everything, getting everything you want and and having all, every choice you on the table that you might like to be on the table. You know, it's it's this or that. It's black or white. It's yes or no. Um, and because that is, it's not just because that's life. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, in my view, it's a good way for kids to work stuff out. Mm. You yeah. know, not having to like the, the life is just going to be 
full of the choices I need and it's always and I'm always going to get what I want because mm. sometimes the choices of black or white yes or no one or two is they, they may not want either mm. it, it's it's gratitude versus entitlement yeah yep I reckon so we bought Jed a new mountain bike the other day went to Brighton big mountain biking area um his old bike wasn't up for it he's way too big for it I, my I'd challenge my paradigm because dad would have said hey you just can't get what you want so I went and bought him a brand new bike. Um, would have another little tip. It would have been easy for me to say, "Hey, mate, I've just bought you a brand new bike. You're washing the dishes for three weeks straight, mm. and putting putting a negative on a positive, if that makes sense. So shutting him of here, here's this, but so we don't ever want to give that. Like a, that was something that I got as a kid. Hey, here's a brand new pair of sneakers. Um, but I you felt owe me yeah, I felt like I'd, oh yeah, I was hundred yeah. percent. So never put that on your kids. Um, but teach them to be grateful, give them life experiences, um, and never let them never let them be entitled. Uh, my favourite quote: Everyone's going to go, "Oh, here he goes again." Is <laughs> our job as parents is to prepare our children to leave us. Yep, we and don't we don't own our kids. That's it, mm-hmm. you know. And if they're not ready, whatever the whatever ready looks like to you as a parent and the world, then that's our, our fault. That is something we can blame ourselves mm-hmm. for, and we should take take um, um, to full responsibility for. Uh, also. <laughs> I so often reference this, um, that, you know, children need two things in life, to be happy, um, uh, unconditional love yep. and chores. Yep. And they t- they learn so much from the chores. Love is, that's yep. pretty clear what that why that's mm-hmm. important. But the chores, you know, budgeting, responsibility, accountability, boundaries, all those things. And Lilla is saving money doing chores for a horse float. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a, that's a transaction I'm happy happy about enabling, yeah. because there's a there's a reward for mm-hmm. her work, and she understands the value of that, um, value of her time, value of the effort, and then monetary value as well. You know, in terms of now she's not going to buy the whole thing because she hasn't been working for the last thirty years mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to, she to been? pay for, it. but she understands her her contribution, yep. which I think is really cool. Yeah, Dave. Um, I'm just conscious of the time, mate. Well, I've got one more, probably one or two more. Uh, Profitable Farmer, let's talk about that, the pod, your, your, mm. the podcast that, that yourself and Jeremy are um, uh, spearheading. Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, so, it's, so the Profitable Farmer podcast is the po- podcast of Farm Owners Academy. Mm. So um, Andrew Roberts, who was the co-founder of Farm Owners Academy, started that and then handed that on to Jeremy Hutchings, the CEO of Farm Owners Academy now. So, um yeah, it's 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 been so well received. It's it's very business focused. So Farm Owners Academy is, is definitely not operational. Like we don't teach. There's a little bit in there, but we don't mm. set out to teach people how to farm operationally. It's how to run a successful business, how to run a successful life. Um, so there's so many great takeaways in there. Um, there's a, a huge pool of of great people that that they've interviewed over time. Um, yeah, it's it, it covers everything. It covers, there's a bit of spiritual stuff in there, um, mental health stuff, business growth, personal growth, um, fears, leverage, all all the aspects that um, that we teach in farmers can. And I guess the, the message there potentially is that you know a farmer needs to be to be profitable um, is one thing. And, and I guess what you saw there down in Kangaroo Island those years ago was you were profitable, but at, it mm. potentially was at the expense of other things. You yeah. know? Um, and to be profitable, one has to have um, more, more more KPIs than just that, that dollar KPI, you know. Mm. Talking about KPIs, 
What are some of yours? What are you? What are some of your life KPIs? Um, it's a great question. Do you know? I, I probably can't. I probably don't have KPIs. I, f- I feel like I've been able to. I, I feel like KPIs potentially are a measurement to help us get somewhere, and then once we've got somewhere, life happens to you and for you. Um, so instead of having uh, Instead of creating, trying to manufacture life ahead of you, it just it just opens up, and that's what regen farming is to a degree. You just allow it to just just be. Um, so I probably don't have any KPIs that I that I ju- judge myself on. I think KPIs are probably a, ju- a judgment. Um, it just life just is um, with a big smile on my face. That's a KPI. Just there, it is, or it's a measure of not a measure of success, but it, I guess I guess it is a measure of. Um, we can use that word of fulfilment, isn't it? You know, mm. if you're smiling. Yep. One last one, mate. Billboard. You're driving down the Hume Highway today, there's a big billboard on the side of the road, and you have the opportunity to put a quote, a phrase, a question up there for all those holiday makers up and down the road to see. What, what would you put on there? Mm. Great question. Probably put oh, a mate, picture. I'm full I'll, of them. I'll probably put a picture of you up there. <laughs> What people would have an ac- <laughs> they would have an accident on the way past. I reckon, I reckon um, the free range egg business would go through the roof. They'd, they'd have to have people purchasing eggs to, to ditch it. <laughs> Tomatoes. <laughs> Tomatoes. <laughs> no, I think it would just be. I wrote an article called um, "Effing Smile," um, just because it, it just came to me. It, it wasn't it, it effing the, the word. Is, can, can, be, can be negative. Um, I don't, I don't, it's it's a bit brutal that word, so I'll, I'll just keep <laughs> keep it to a minimum. But um, the reason, so smile, yeah, there it is. It's a long winded answer, but f and smile because it just gives it context. Like just enjoy, bloody enjoy life. Mm. Don't get caught up in all the the bullshit um, and all the judgment and all the expectation you have on life. Just go out and bloody enjoy it. I do have one last question. Um, Becky very kindly presented me with a book last night. Um, after dinner, um, tell us about that because it's a pretty special publication. Yeah, yep. And here, this comes back to values. So mm. Becky was told as a kid that she wanted she wanted to be an author, mm. and she was told there's no money in being an author. Go to go to uni and study something that she didn't give a shit about. Um, so she sort of failed uni a little bit because she I didn't have a passion there. Farmers Academy gave her the confidence to go and follow her values and her passion. So she wrote a book, self published a book called Children of the Wild, um, which is about Wild children on Kangaroo Island teaching their their city child friend about animals and living in the wild. Um, really, really cool book. So she self published that, and then a publisher approached her after the, the KY bushfires to write a book on hope after fire. Um, so it's called Evie and the Bushfire, which comes out. It's launched nationally on the twelfth of uh, April, mm. um, and it's really it's it, it's a cool concept around. Um, Everyone loses hope after fire, um, and and Evie is a, is a spirit girl, um, so she represents hope. Um, she everyone can see her before the fires. She warns everyone about the fires, um, and then after the fires, no one can see her because everyone's lost hope. And then essentially, um, she helps. She slowly come, people can slowly come back in. They they see the, the the shoots come back on the trees, and things start to start to come back together. Fence farmers are putting fences back up, and and then. Um, they can see Evie again because they can. They're, they're slowly seeing hope, and it's a, it's a really emotional book. Um, highly recommend it, even if you haven't been through a bushfire. It's, it's got some really really good stories in it around um, why to be positive in a negative situation. 
Well, I guess it's it's a it's a children's book, but there's obviously messaging there for adults as well, mm-hmm. as most good children's books. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where can people get it? Get it when it's launched, twelfth of April. Is it online? Is it a? Yep. We can put a link in the show notes here. Yeah, you can pre-order it on Booktopia at the moment. Okay. Yep. Um, so it'll be live on Booktopia um, from the twelfth of April. But yeah, you can jump on it. It's on there now if um, anyone wants to pre-order. Cool. Uh, can yeah. I give myself a plug too, Charlie? No, oh, I thought you'd just done that for the last <laughs> hour and forty minutes. <laughs> um, and the only reason it comes back to that parenting, the the, the parenting side of things is yeah. that um, so on Instagram, anyone that's on Instagram at Adventure Farmer is my page, um, yeah. and you'll see that a lot of what I post is is just having fun with the kids mm. um, and having fun with farmers, and, and that's uh, that's what I use that page for is just is just sharing what I value in life. Dave, mate, it's been a pleasure and honour um, to sit here with you. Um, next time, if we do it again, we might be at, I don't know, your farm, your house, your world. Um, I trust we cross paths again um, soon. Um, I'm sure we will in some way, shape or form. And you have a lovely, wonderful year ahead of you in that caravan, won't you? I will do. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure being here and doing this podcast with this beautiful view overlooking this lake and... Um, been a great couple of days. It's good fun. Right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Charlie. We appreciate it. Cheers. Wonderful chat there with Dave. Um, as I said in the intro, such a, a big future ahead of him, I think. And he's um, he's always had already had a lot of challenges that he's got through and plenty of lessons learned that I hope you were able to take and uh, um, and potentially utilize yourself. Um, talking about utilization, uh, it was wonderful recently. I was able to spend a couple of days at the regionality farm to plate exchange conference um, at Bow Desert uh, and I was able to grab a number of the speakers and presenters up there for quick chats uh, similar to the one I did at Aubrey for the Farming Matters Conference. Um, Fantastic chats. I love this style of interviewing actually. Just a quick, sharp, short um, sessions with as many people as I can jam in. So look, I hope you enjoy next week's episode of The Regenerative Journey. This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.